It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. Oh, we'll rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of freedom. We will rally from the hillside, we'll gather from the plain, shouting the battle cry of freedom. Welcome to the Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on K News 98.5. This is lawyer Stu Jenkins. I've practiced law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978 and served as Superior Court Special Master, Judge Pro Tem, and as an elected Harbor Commissioner. In election law cases, I've represented the Democratic Party and Republican office holders and enforced the voters' Proposition 64 ban against cannabis billboard advertising. I counsel and represent folks for estate planning, real estate law, and government or election law matters. Slow County Public Policy and the Law introduces you to the officials, lawyers, and activists influencing decisions made on your behalf by government and courts. Today, it is a real pleasure to have candidate for Paso Robles Unified School District, Kenny Enney. Before introducing Mr. Enney, I want to simply say how important it is to all of us for citizens to step forward and run for offices that serve us, and in the case of school districts, serve our children and grandchildren. I can tell you no one serves on a school board for the money. These are selfless, often thankless offices that take real time, attention, and courage to work in. So thank you for stepping forward and being here to tell us about your background, qualification, and vision for Paso schools and students, Mr. Enney. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, y- your background. Are you married? Um, I'm divorced. Um, 25 years in the Marine Corps will unfortunately do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I was a career Marine, first came to the Central Coast in uh, uh, the late 90s. I was uh, Stationed up in Monterey at Naval Postgraduate School in, in DLI and fell in love with Paso, wanted to buy on a ranch. Now, what's DLA? De- D- I'm sorry, DLA. Defense Language Institute. Oh, that's what I thought. So you probably speak uh, more than English. I do. I speak French, Spanish, um, understand Italian. So. Um, and, and do you have children? I have two kids. Uh, one's in college, and then uh, I share custody with, with my ex-wife for my son who's in high school. Sure, sure. Um, you know that's uh, that's important. Those are important relationships to nurture. Yeah. How uh, how long have you lived in Pass Robles? Uh, I've been a, I've been a landowner s- since '98, uh, but uh, got sent back to Monterey in, in 2009. I was the commander for all the Marines at the okay. at the graduate school and the Language Institute. And instead of taking a promotion and going back to Washington D.C. for the third time, I retired and uh, moved to Paso and uh, built a house out on the ranch. And when was that? That was 2012. So you've been here for a while. Yeah. Ten years. Yeah. Um, have you, have you uh, well, it seems to me that in your position you m- may have taught. I did. I was, uh, I was an instructor in the Marine Corps at uh, Command and Staff College and uh, uh, what they called Expeditionary Warfare College. So for those were career-level schools for captains and majors. And mm-hmm. then, after I retired, I thought I would I would uh, teach at community college, so I, st- I taught at uh, uh, Santa Barbara Business College in Santa Maria, on the Santa Maria campus, and um, did that for three years, and uh, 
Uh, it's a challenge. It's definitely a calling to be a teacher, especially if they're not Marines. Marines <laughs> usually do what they're told. So. I, I imagine the Marines are more cooperative <laughs> than junior high kids. Yeah. So um, what drew you to uh, consider running for the school board? Well, I've, I've, I've been involved in uh, kind of education reform pretty much since the pandemic. And uh, what, what really, there were two things that got me involved, but primarily it was the shutting down of the public schools. When I saw that private schools were allowed to remain open uh, and public schools were shut, shut down, uh, that was kind of a, uh, a last straw for me. On top of that, um, you know, my godson, who was up in um, Monterey, Salinas area, uh, wound up dying of an overdose during the during uh, the shutdown as well. And I think the isolation yeah. and the impact on all the kids, it sort of it sort of led me to the point where I, I felt I couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore and just kibitz. Um, had to, had to, felt that I had to get involved, felt that I had to uh, start trying to get the, the school district's point, this, our school district pointed in the right direction. What's your vision for, uh, well, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Not all of our listeners are going to know the composition and size and geogra geography of the Paso Robles Unified School District. Can you uh, relate a little bit about that to our listeners? Sure. So there, there are uh, roughly 6,000 students in the Paso Robles School District, um, two middle schools, and then one real high school, and then there's a uh, uh, Liberty High, which is a... Uh, uh, um, homeschool type high school and then there's Independence High which is sort of a continuing education high school. Um, you have seven board members. Um, I actually had been appointed to the board in October. I was asked after uh, Chris Bausch who had been on the board for 10 years he resigned to go and uh, He's run. on the city council He's now. He's on the he? city council now. He resigned to go run for city council and had uh, two years left on his, his uh, school board term, and I had several people that asked me to put my hat in the ring to fill that appointment, which was done by the school board. There were seven of us, and I got selected. And so I was on the board for all of about three weeks before, um, or three, three meetings, 60 days before uh, um, basically the teachers union filed a petition to have a special election. Now, are these, uh, are these elected at large or are they in specific districts? All school districts now um, have to have area seats by law. And so um, I, that law was passed, I believe, in 2019. Uh, but you have to have designated areas just like a um, county supervisor would have a specific district. But we have five area seats and then we have two at-large seats. And so I would be filling one of one of the uh, at-large seats. Okay, so everybody in the entire district gets yes, to vote on this. And when is the election? April 18th. April 18th. Ballots were mailed out last Monday. They have to be returned by the 18th of April. Okay. And uh, if they're, or they can be part, postmarked by the 18th of April. Yes, yes sir. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that that's the one time you don't just want to put it in a box on the street. You want to go down to the post office if you want your vote counted mm. and physically have it stamped by the postal worker uh, to make sure you get that mark as to it being mailed on time. So um, one of the uh, 
one of the things I don't know, but I suspect, is that uh, a lot of the students from San Miguel, which has its own uh, district, I believe, for elementary school, yes, sir, end up coming to Paso Robles for high school. Is that right? That is correct. In fact, uh, uh, Monterey County, all the way to Bradley, sends its uh, elementary school kids and middle school kids to Paso Robles High School. So the district itself actually crosses the county line into Monterey? Correct. Wow. And uh, what, are the, what are the problems that you see that you think you can solve with the current educational uh, system in Paso Robles? Well, I think we have th really three major issues that have to be resolved. First and foremost um, is safety. Uh, we have a, uh, a growing gang problem. We have a growing drug problem. Um, you know, unfortunately, because of the, the, where Paso Robles is situated on the 101 and the 46 intersection, it's becoming a, uh, an area of interest to uh, the various gangs in California, and it's becoming a smuggling corridor. Um, there's always been some degree of gang activity in North County. Uh, there's, there's no agreement between Paso PD and the Sheriff's Department as to how, what the extent of that is. Uh, talking to families in the school district, uh, it's a concern for, for them in the schools. You have recruitment that's going on. Um, also is the, the growing drug activity. Um, it's, it's a, it's not necessarily affiliated with the drugs in and of itself. It's just the fact that we have a society now that we're, where drugs are easily accessible. And uh, and uh, do you, how do you think that uh, being on the school board you can help ameliorate that or solve that problem? Uh, my focus is restoring good order and discipline. Essentially, you have you have uh, uh, policies that are that are in place that I think a lot of people are either have chosen not to enforce or are afraid to enforce. And so as a result, you have, you have teachers that are afraid, you have students that are afraid. Uh, one situation, um, when I was on the board, uh, you, the board is the ultimate uh, decision maker on expulsions. Uh, there was an individual that was expelled, or rec they recommended expulsion. He had given a THC gummy, sold a THC gummy to another student on the campus, put that, that girl, the girl had to go to the hospital. Um, the school recommended, the high school recommended that he be expelled. Uh, the district office recommended suspension of the expulsion, which means no punishment. Uh, my argument was you're, you're sending the message that we're not taking drugs seriously. If you have a drug dealer on campus that sent somebody to the hospital, um, there's at least one felony there. Um, now, was was the uh, were the juvenile court folks involved? Was there uh, prosecution by the district no. attorney or no? Hmm. Okay. Um, so, in my opinion, if you're not going to, you have to show that as a district that you're taking these matters seriously, mm -hmm. because I'm sure as soon as that kid showed back, the drug dealer showed back on camp, back up to campus, everybody knew, hey, he's he's back. Nobody's taking it seriously. Um, so. The twofold effect of that is you're emboldening the bad actors and you're, you're telling the, the good students that you're not going to protect them. Well, besides the drug issue, um, the safety issue that you were talking about, 
lot of lot of discussion with with teachers. Um, I I'm I'm kind of running against the establishment. Uh, the teachers union is. It, um, I don't expect to get any Christmas cards from any of them, but um, I've had a lot of teachers that have come and taught to me, and uh, a lot of the teachers are concerned, uh, particularly in the middle schools and the high schools, that the district does not have their back. And so you'll have situations where well, the, How do you mean the district doesn't have the, their back? If the, if the student uh, is acting out in class or is being disruptive or disrespectful to the teacher, the teacher is afraid to take disciplinary action because they don't think that either the administration uh, or the staff will, will back that up. So the result is you have teachers that are afraid to enforce discipline because they think they'll be undermined later on. Mm -hmm. um, so sending a strong message, a lot of the stories I've heard were, were honestly quite disturbing. Um, uh, probably had four or five teachers that basically said, you know, they they tell a student to do something in class, like put your cell phone away, and uh, they're basically told where to go. Um, had told, heard stories from teachers about, again, uh, because it's an open campus, you have drug dealers coming and going during the lunch break, specifically to sell drugs during lunch. Uh, dress code's an issue. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, you know, the, we've been, uh, we've had a lot of school shootings, unfortunately, uh, nationally, that we've see on the news week after week. Uh, a lot of those schools, they have uh, police officers or security officers actually on campus. Is that something that the Paso Robles School District has? Paso Robles has three uh, um, school resource officers. Uh, one is actually on, I believe she is still on maternity leave, so you basically have two school resources off. Are, resource are they resources that the teachers can call on in these kinds of situations that you're talking about? Yes, but those, those officers are divided between campuses, and you have Paso High is uh, 2,300 students. Sure. So two, two school resource officers. It was a big campus even when I was in high school. So, you know, two school yeah. resources resource officers for a well-disciplined high school, that's probably more than enough. Um, but if you have a situation where you have fights breaking out or, or disruptive or disrespectful students that aren't going to do what the teachers say, I would say you probably need more. That, that sounds like a budgeting problem uh, if the district needs more of those kinds of resources. I, I, I would agree with that, but it, it, and, and that's probably another area where I, I can contribute is setting priorities. Um, mm -hmm. um, right now, in the three meetings I went to, it, the, the way the system worked it was essentially whoever screamed the loudest got the money. And you, you need to really set priorities in, you know, for spending, for planning, um, and objectives. And I would say safety first. And that, sh that should work. Everybody should be in agreement that your money should go to protecting the kids first. I don't see that as a controversial issue. I, I, I suspect I may get the same answer from your opponent mm -hmm. on that. But uh, maybe not in the same priorities. I don't know. What what uh, I'm also curious about a number of your supporters. I, I have to say this is the most hard-fought school district uh, <laughs> campaign I've seen in years, in the sense that people are involved. And when I say hard-fought, it means there are people coming out on both sides on this to support their candidate. Uh, a number of your supporters talk about how dismal the uh, math proficiency levels are in Paso Robles, uh, implying that you will be the guy who can solve that problem. So uh, how will you solve that problem? 
Well, I, I, when you look at academics, so that's probably, I, you know, I, I'm pretty much a back to basics kind of person. I don't think we need to hire a consultant or anything to figure out what needs to be done. Um, but the problem with academics is we have what's called social promotion. And so right now, if you look at the graduating class of 2023, which will walk across the stage in June, so about two months out, uh, they're going to have a 94% graduation rate. Everybody thinks, hey, that's great. They have a 94% graduation rate. But only 48% of them are going to meet standards in English language arts, and only 25% are going to meet proficiency in math. So that tells me that you're pushing these people through the system, uh, but they're not meeting standards. Well, that means they're not getting the education. Correct. And so my question always is, what are we going to do with that 75% of the graduating class that can't meet basic proficiency in math or the 50% of the graduating class that can't meet basic proficiency You've in described the problem. So what's the solution? What's your solution? It's not going to be something that's going to be fixed overnight. Um, you are, you're honestly, if you're going to do away with social promotion, you have to start establishing standards from day one in, in kindergarten and first grade. And you need to start conditioning those people that this is the standard. You know, you will not, you will not advance with your classmates unless you meet that standard. And you're probably going to have to do it over a three or four year time frame. Because obviously, I suspect when we, when we test the 11th grade class, uh, which I think the tests are going on in April, you're going to find out that their scores really aren't that much better. So, you, you know, as a society, I don't think we have the moral courage to say, hey, sorry, 75% of you aren't going to graduate. So it's something you're going to have to phase in over time. And then by the time that third phase gets to the, to the, the high school, you know, they're going to hopefully take it seriously. Now, sure, that's the long term. Right. Short term? Short term, um, if you've got a 10th grader or an 11th grader who need extra education on proficiency in these, what, what kind of solution well, do you I, think should be imposed? I think you're, we're going to have to, again, it gets back to budgeting and establishing priorities, which is what the board is supposed to be doing, providing direction and leadership. Uh, going to have to start enforcing summer school type programs, extra tutoring programs. But doesn't, that's, that, doesn't that take extra staff? Uh, you could probably use this, you can use your existing staff. They're going to want to, well, some of them are going to want to have uh, summer jobs. Well, sure. Um, so, I mean, you can, you can, I think, do some of it in-house, but yes, this is where you're going to have to sit down and figure out, you know, what, here's my requirement. What do I need to do to fill that requirement? But if you've got a really good math teacher and you offer her or him uh, summer work and more money uh, than they can make as a summer park ranger in Yosemite, for instance, which okay. is what a lot of teachers will do. And it's great. It's a great experience for them. It's a great experience for their kids, but... Um, you're competing against the federal government for those kinds of uh, summer summer jobs. Uh, are you willing to put in the money? Well, I I think it's important. I mean, this is the this is the the core competency of a public school system is to educate the kids. Um, and again, this is where you're going to have to get to the the prioritization of spending. So, priority number one, in my opinion, should always go to safety. Priority number two should always go towards making sure you're meeting those academic standards. And that's where you're going to have to, amongst the board and with the community, um, start racking and stacking what's important and what's not, and how that money's going to. Racking be and stacking. Uh, tell 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 our listeners. So what racking you mean and by stacking that. is you you know you get all your requirements. Everybody's got their wish list, their their best idea, and how they think that money should be spent. 
And this is something that I think is lacking in, in the Paso School Board is nobody's taking all those ideas and prioritizing them and saying, Here the, here's, here's what we, the board, are telling you, know, you, the superintendent, and your staff. Here's our number one through our number five priority. Here's our number one through number, number five objective. Here's how um, you know, we want you to execute this year, and it, that, that's something I learned, you know, got an MBA, they have the same thing in business, but, you know, that's how you do military planning, is you, stop, you, you set your objectives and you prioritize your resources. To here's meet a, those here's a practical question for you, because okay. I've, I've served on a board, uh, not a school board, I was a commissioner at Port San Luis, and, uh, you know, the typical uh, board is going to meet a couple times a month. Uh, is that about how? Twice. And, and so to do the kind of organization of the board itself, uh, particularly in, in, the, uh, in California where you have to have open government, mm -hmm. all your meetings have to be open to the public, all of your discussions about racking and stacking and prioritizing have to be in public, and there's a lot of work to that uh, and a lot of discussion between all seven board members is going to have to take place along with the uh, administrator um, and your staff. It sounds to me like you're proposing that the board really get down to brass tacks and start meeting four times a month to get this done until, it, until they can get it done. Is that, is that I would, uh, am I interpreting that right? I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, are the, are, do you think you can get the other six? Well, that's going to be the, that's going to be the question. We're gonna we're gonna be back with Kenny Annie. This is Stu Jenkins, Slow Public Policy and the Law. Stay tuned.